0: You're listening to Freedom, Freedom Train Freedom, Online.com.
1: Barbershop in Minneapolis, March 25th, 2010.
2: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm all booked up today. Now, you you next. I'm doing Prince's here right now. You now you after him. Uh, now, Prince, you mind if we turn the TV on for a minute? I want to listen to the news. I don't care. All right, baby. Good morning, Minnesota. This is news with Aaron Reencock in the morning. Now, Prince, I'm going to go ahead and put this uh, hot air dryer on your head while I'm watching my news. All right.
0: Good morning, Minnesota. This is Aaron Reencock. And in money news today, hometown hero Prince Rogers Nelson's find himself in a little internet mix-up. Apparently, his site, lotusflower.com, charged customers another year of $77 when some of them actually opted out of the subscription. I guess this is a little case of money mattering tonight. (laughs) We'll have more on this story later. Uh Coming up, results on Tony Mm -hmm. Mosley's run for mayor. Turn this off. I'm
2: gonna get to the bottom of this right now. Where's Prince at? He's over here. Turn this damn thing. Hold on. Prince, what is going on with this website? My grandbaby signed, it. I know you ain't taking her money. I don't have time for your bullshit. What do you want? What do I want? You better watch your mouth, boy. You've been coming here since you was 18. I'll lodge my foot up in the back of your ass. Now, first thing is, these are people working hard to pay this money to listen to this thing on this on this old internet thing, and you don't. It's not right for you to do that. You need to in people that they money. You know what I'm saying? That's life, man. Life, my ass, motherfucker. Life, life. That was the movie with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. This ain't life, son. This is people's money. You want to talk about life? Well, what about what about this? What about purple and gold? Fuck off! Oh no, you didn't. You better sit your ass back down in this seat. You ain't going nowhere. Matter of fact. I'ma cut all your hair off. Cause you don't come in Maybelline's shop talking crazy. Johnny, hold him down. And matter of fact, go on and lock the door. He ain't going nowhere. Lay off that. Yeah, we gonna show the fucking brain.
0: Mo Love Music presents Stroke the Mind Before the Behind, the new album by Michael Dean. Check out some cuts. Your mind Before the behind On sale now at iTunes Amazon.com And specially priced at MichaelDean.Bandcamp.com Get the whole album for only 99 cents Alright ladies and gentlemen Welcome to the Prince Podcast On Freedom Train Online And we are joined today By some of the most spectacular and Super funky, califragilistic people that I know. And we're going to first start out with Mr. Big Ken. How are you, sir? What's
3: going on, y'all? I'm doing good. All not right. it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been, it's been a minute. That's right.
0: <laughs> and also, we are joined by Mr. Big Sexy and Sack-in-Law. How are you, sir? <laughs> oh,
1: man. I'm cold, but I'm ready to rock. It has been far too long. Yes, just it is. This got together, man. Let's do that
0: Yes, and my name is Michael Dean. And again, like I said, this is the Prince Podcast. Today's show, we're going to talk about the Madhouse Project. Uh, we're not going to focus on just one album. We're just going to really just look at the whole thing uh, as much as we can here with the time that we have. But it's something that I, I hold dear to my heart, uh, particularly the first album. But I really just wanted to spotlight this whole period of Prince's uh, career or this other part of, you know, this pop, funk, you know, rock and roll legend is also this very accomplished, uh, I guess you could say jazz fusion type, you know, thing going on over here that to me does not get enough shine. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get into that, I actually... Trying to find something, you know, in the news of Prince, uh, which is very hard because he's pretty low key, aside from doing his concert tour. Um, but I did find this, and you know, you can take it for what you want. Uh, I, I see that this is uh, in a few different news outlets, uh, which is interesting. I'm going to go with the most credible that I can find. You can judge if this is credible place, but The Today Show, MSNBC. Uh, this is datelined uh, January 20th, and the headline is Prince and Madonna End Decades-Long Feud. And I've heard about that. Yes, uh, Actually, I guess this is pulled from Seattle. And this, excuse me, this is pulled from the U.S. Weekly. I'm just going to read it straight off here. It says, uh, fellow music superstars Prince and Madonna appear to have ended their decade-long feud the material girl 52 was among the celebrities cheering on prince's sold out tuesday show at new york city's madison square garden uh says during the show an attendee reports that prince also 52 made a good-natured joke about the high price of madonna's concert tickets uh, quote i know i'm expensive he joshed then making a friendly call out to madonna by name uh, things were far less friendly between the pair who briefly dated in 1985 and who duet, duetted on Love Song, a track from Madonna's 1988 Like a Prayer album. It says, uh, Madonna sniped in an interview that Prince was a little troll and quipped in 1994 that he wouldn't eat during a dinner date. Uh, she quoted us saying, he was just sipping tea, very daintly, Madonna said. I have, this theory about, <laughs> <laughs> I have this theory about people who don't eat. They annoy me. And it says, uh, and for his part, Prince slammed Madonna and her growing brood of children during a 2007 concert in London, sniping, I got so many hits, y'all, you can't handle me. I got more hits than Madonna's got kids. So, eh, you oh. <laughs> I don't know if they're just trying to make something to have some news. I didn't know if it was that serious of a feud, but that's what's in the news for Prince.
3: <laughs> so there you go. Um. I didn't know I didn't know it was that deep either, man. I mean, I knew, you know, that she, you know, she came out of that whole uh, those songs that he did on her "Like a Prayer" album, thinking that he was a little bit weird after some of the stuff that he was doing in the recording session. But I didn't I didn't know it was a quote unquote feud. So that was news to me. I didn't know how deep that went.
1: Yeah.
0: And I remember too, there was um remember Prince wrote that open letter to Madonna years ago? It was yep. very kind of a... well, I won't say weird, it was just an interesting thing. So I don't think he was feuding with her when he did that. But you yeah, like I said, I think they're just trying to you know, is is we in beef time. This artist gotta have beefs. Yeah. And all that, so there you go. Um, okay. Uh well let me go, do you guys have anything? Uh you want to put out there, Prince-related or not? Before we go in?
1: Nothing comes to mind in the news, that is. All right. Well, is this beef time? Are we going to start beef with Peach and Black?
0: <laughs> oh, Art, what is this
1: about? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Everybody's got beef, you know? Maybe we can oh, start I see <laughs> you know, Yeah, Peach and Black, yeah! No, okay, okay. Wow. Kidding.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so... Let's get into Madhouse. Uh, We're going to start at the top here. Sorry. So so Madhouse and this whole instrumental thing. uh, Before the Madhouse albums came out, Prince, he was giving us little, you know, dips and dabs of, you know, there is some instrumental movement going on here. You you can remember back to uh, the time, I mean, excuse me, the uh, family album and the song Susanna's Pajamas. And yes, Uh, those were like workouts to me. I remember when I first heard those, I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, I was like, oh, these guys are jamming. This is crazy. So you got a little bit of that. And Eric Lees was in there, and that was really the first time he was really getting his shine on the record. So he had been in the band as well. Uh, So that was the first little taste. And then uh, even to this day, there is still the unreleased uh, The Flesh album. Uh, I mean, we had a little taste of some of the music through the bootlegs and whatnot. Um, But that's apparently all instrumental funk stuff as well. But making our way all the way to 1987, we see the release of the first Madhouse album, uh, 8, and it dropped on January 21st, 1987. Um, It was, uh, I got some little chart information here. It It was 107 on the pop charts, and it was number 25 on the Black Album charts it also produced the single six, which was actually a pretty big hit uh, in terms of black radio. And it went all the way to number five on the black singles charts, which another show for another day. I always wanted to talk about the black chart (laughs) versus all the other charts. I'm curious about that myself. Very interesting. (laughs) And I think it's still like that to this day, if I'm not mistaken. I don't really read Billboard yeah. anymore, but where's the. Is there an, a Mexican chart or a <laughs> Asian chart? It's a black chart. All right. Come on, Obama. You need to go over there and straighten that out for me. I'm just joking. Um, all right. So that it comes out. It's, uh, you know, actually is a pretty well received album. Now, I, I mean, let's go back. I remember the first time I heard about this album was I was watching MTV and it was Kurt Loader. And you remember how you used to have those little five, to 10 minute music news things, kind of like at the end of whatever the hour was or something. Yep. I remember he came on and he's like, there's this new album from Paisley Park, you know, out of the Prince campus called Madhouse. And, you know, he was like, I don't know if, you know, nobody really knows the Prince is on it himself, but, you know, you look out for it. And I just remember him saying Madhouse and Prince. And I was like, what? The, what? I was like, "Ah." Oh. I got to go down to Tower Records and see what the hell is going on cuz uh, what what is this? And I I'm trying to remember if I actually got the 12-inch first or the cassette came out. I can't remember, but it's funny that I actually have the actual cassette tape that I bought then. I still have it to this day. Um like it still works. So I don't I think I have a tape deck, but I still that's how much I really Really was filling this record. <clears throat> now I can say from all the other albums, I do not own the original ones that I had from back then, except for maybe of Times like the vinyl or something. But I still have that tape, and even Madhouse 16, I still have the exact same cassette tape that I had when I first got it. But anyway, Madhouse 8 comes out, and for me, and we can go into some of the songs here in a second. I was literally taken aback. Uh, at the time, I didn't know necessarily if it was Prince or whatever. I just knew that it had that sound. It had the you know the sax was in there, and all that. I was just like, this is this is dope. And I would put this in my Walkman, and I would get on the bus. I remember I used to like get on the bus, and I would ride the bus all the way across town, like that two-hour ride, and I would just play that tape back to back. Like I remember just being different places, and that music. And I always were have that music reminds me in certain places, but I just sucked that album in. Would just listen to it? Just like, this is really good. Like I normally at that time wasn't, would not have probably listened to that, but I really got sucked into it. So I'm going to stop right there. Uh, Big Ken, what do you remember from yeah. your first Madhouse album? Number eight.
3: You know, I, I, I will venture to guess that by the time we're done with this, all three of us will probably have very, very similar stories because like you actually i i had the cassette tapes the original cassette tapes for 8 and 16 as well up until about maybe a year ago when i basically just cleaned out all that stuff because i had boxes and boxes and boxes of old cassettes and stuff Uh, but but the tape was in in bad condition anyway because i basically wore it out just like you when i first had it because i remember hearing the song for the first hearing six you know the lead the lead cut on the radio for the first time and I, did, I didn't you know know anything about you know it coming out of the Paisley Park camp at that point yet I didn't you know see the MTV news thing you're talking about so I just heard it blindly on the radio and I just remember being struck actually on the bus with my little Walkman, and this comes on and I, all I'm thinking to myself is I know this is this is Prince I you know, nobody can convince me otherwise I know this is Prince because it, it had you know just like you mentioned it had that signature sound it had that whole in-the-pocket, real tight groove. Right. And right after I heard it, man, I mean, you know, I was actually taking the bus to downtown Chicago. And so right after I heard it, you know, I, you know, basically made my way. In, actually, I went to a store called Rose Records down here that used to be in downtown Chicago a long time ago. And that's where I, that's where I bought it. And I wore that cassette out for a long, long time to come. And you know, it, it blew my mind then, man, because it just showed me at that point, at, you know, early on, man, how how insanely talented and how much range this guy had. And so it was just another example. And you, I guess, you're right. In in retrospect, I probably should have seen it coming. After you know some of the stuff we heard on the family's record and so forth, you know, so the seeds were were laid laid before that. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a big uh, a big deal, a head buster, to use your term.
0: <laughs> All right. Big Sexy. What about yourself?
1: You know, I remember vividly I was a sophomore in college up here in Sacramento, and a friend of mine had told me that, you know, Prince had a new album out under another name, and I went over to the, to the Beat record store back on, uh, on 54th and H, and I grabbed it. I took it to school because I used to work in the AV department, and I'm sitting there talking to my boss, and you knew, it was like you said, you knew it was Prince. But see, 6 didn't really stand out for me. What stood out for me was 8. I loved 8. Hmm. And yeah, I, eight still, not- <clears throat> I still have that album in my album collection. I was not aware I was 16 until maybe 1993 or so when I was out looking for my Black album. But I, I have them both. And then, of course, the 24... Well, let's put it this way. 24 surface. We'll leave it at that. And a lot of the 24 stuff, Eric Leeds t- took and put on his Times Squared And you can just tell. Now, f- now, to I don't want to deviate a bit, but to me, 8 was the more organic piece as opposed to 16. 16 was more of a collaborative effort. 8 was Prince and Eric. That's it. And you could definitely hear that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and just to get into the, the making of 8, you know, uh, I was reading. They actually recorded this in uh, around September. It was September of 86 and all of like four and a half days. Uh, Prince at home doing his thing and then bringing Eric in, you know, to do the, the horn parts and, the, and some of the flute stuff. But the thing that I mean, when you listen to this record, it's amazing to, to hear that after the fact. But when I hear it after the fact, when somebody says that was just him. And you hear all those parts playing, and just like Ken said, it's so in the pocket, it's so tight. It doesn't sound, to me, it does not sound like a one-man show, you know, no. the, the, the bass playing uh, in time with the drumming, the drums. Like, when somebody says, Prince, yeah, Sheila E's good, I, like, I love Sheila E, I love Mike, but to me, <laughs> for that particular time period, <laughs> he was a monster for his music playing drums, like. It's just like it's, it's tight, and the same point he kind of has a nice. I don't, I don't have to have the words to say. It's like sloppy funk, but I mean it's not that it's out of place. It's just that he he knows how. It's interesting. I don't know if he starts with his drums first or how he does it, but he seems to anticipate when they go into the groove, like to really overcharge it when they really start to lock in, and that's an interesting thing for one person to do that with himself. You know, to know okay, when you get to this part, about to get in, pop, 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 pop you know, and, and really intensify the groove. And he does that where it sounds like there's these just tight players, some old school cats, you know, getting it in. I was just like, man, it's amazing. And, you know, during this time as well, you know, he's recording, uh, you know, because 86, so he's doing crystal ball, you know, sign of times material. And if you listen to those Songs in that time frame with this they all share you know very same style, particularly where he plays drums on a lot of his music back then, and so when you hear things like uh, uh, i 'm I'm, I'm thinking of like witness uh, you know some of the so- you know a lot of those songs that you can obviously hear he's playing the drums like I know and all these different things it's, it' it's, you can hear it all sounds that same type of style, which I love. He's not doing so much drum programming. And it's just insane. I mean, the level of his talent was, it, to me, is remarkable. And I love the fact that he was able to record that so quickly and keep it so focused instead of, you know, just taking a whole bunch of songs from different periods. So, um, yeah, it's an amazing piece of work. Uh, <clears throat> there are certain songs that even stand out. I, obviously, there's the single, but again, you... Uh, sexy brought up eight you know for the first little bit i, I didn't give eight a chance because eight is uh, it's, a, it's a, like a 10 minute song and it's a very uh long piece and it starts with this very weird kind of sample of like a slow down i guess it's probably prince or something and just going home, home home and I, that's, that's pretty
3: cold, man. Okay. Yeah, and at first though, I, I was, was like, "I thought it was the bomb."
0: <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't get it because you got to listen to it. It doesn't just immediately go into what it's supposed to, you know, what it turns into. And but when you get into it and you hear what they're doing, I was just like, "Ah, are you kidding?" Like this is this is that golden. This is that sound, man. It's just
3: you know what I've like, always equated that song to. I know it's gonna sound corny, man, but I I remember. You know, getting up one morning, getting ready for school, you know, going through your morning routine. And, you know, back then I had my little cassette cassette, uh, tape player right by the bed. And I had, you know, uh, the Madhouse tape in and I hit that tape. And it it just so happened at that time I had just I was almost finished listening to side two of the cassette. And it was right starting right about it where eight started. And that song basically carried me through my entire morning routine, man. And I've always, you know, in the back of my mind, kind of associated that song with like sunrise, man, because it starts off, like you said, with that, you know, home, 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 you know, it's real slow, slow building. But by the time it gets to the end of that track, you know, well, you you would think it was a band, but he's just in full in full bloom, so to speak, you know. And of course, Eric Leeds is, is peppering the whole thing with his flute and the flute is beautiful on that song. You know, it's it's a it's a great great song. I, I'm with Sexio on that one. When I bought the cassette, eight was the track that I ended up gravitating to the most. Mm. You know, and still, still to this day, out on that on that that first album, I played that one a lot, probably more than any other track.
0: Okay, you know, I'm going to do something different here. I'm actually going to play a little bit of a song uh, and play play some music actually for what we're talking about. Um, this is. Uh, five and this is an interesting track as well it's pretty it, it's actually straight to the point when i hear when i first heard this as when i was back listening to then i was like i know that's some print stuff <laughs> like this just that's his style you can just kind of really obviously hear it i mean you can actually hear him in it but uh we'll play a little bit of this so let's see if we can get this going here this is madhouse
3: Hello, son, what's you so long to call? Hi, my business Jimbo. What's happening,
0: dude?
1: How you doing, sexy? Hi, dear. good. Hello, how are you? Hi. Hi,
2: my
1: bishop, what's in, please? Hi, my Jimbo. What do you want? This is what can I do for you? Five-star restaurant, can I help you? Know, you? Yeah. What's happening?
0: Yes, <laughs> Crazy boy. <laughs> I mean, just in that little piece, and he starts to really go in on the. I was just like, ah, guys, nuts, man. Like, it's insane. That's just like one dude can just go in and, and, and really get it in like that. So, that's just an example. And that's not even really the real stuff. Like, you know this. Song. Let me ask you this, and Ken, you might, because uh, I know you really are into jazz, and you, you know, into the standards and to some of the more experimental type stuff. How do you mm-hmm. see this project in terms of if it was a jazz
3: person looked at this? <clears throat> well, you know what? It's interesting that you say that because at this point in in, in my life, at you know, I was a sophomore in high school, I believe, when this album came out. So at this at this point, I really wasn't into jazz then. I mean, I knew what I knew what the concept of jazz was from what I was told. But I, at that time, I wasn't actively listening to it. So then, you know, it was just just Funky prints to me, you know, just Prince branching out. Now, years later, now coming back to it, it's. The stuff that's in these these two albums eight A- A- and sixteen, yeah there are elements of jazz, and that's probably mostly due to you know what Eric Leeds brings to the table you know what i'm saying and and it's fusion in the sense of hes fusing together the normal print style with those jazz elements, but it's not jazz in the classic sense, but it's it's jazzy if if that makes any sense to you you know what i'm saying it's not so if you if if you talk to Now, now somebody like me who's into, into that type of fusion, that type of blending of styles, it's not a big deal to me. But, you know, I'm sure there would be some hardcore jazz people out there that would listen to something like this and they would, they would cringe if you tried to classify it as jazz. I don't necessarily agree with that stance. I I think there are elements of jazz in it. You know what I mean? The, The improvisational aspect of it, you know, the whole free flowing, um, vibe, the whole free flowing nature of it. You know, and, and really, like you said, especially in with, with the eight album, like you said, it's basically just two cats. Okay, it's Prince doing all his thing, and then you got Eric Leeds bringing in his whole thing with the saxes and the flutes and his and his jazz sensibilities. And this is like they're just coming together, experimenting, throwing this down, just hitting record, hitting record, as you like to say, and just letting it letting it fly. And and so that aspect of it is definitely jazz based, you know. But the music itself. You know, it's probably a bit too funky to classify it as normal jazz, but there are jazz tendencies in it.
0: Okay, okay.
3: And, yeah, at and least that's from my from my perspective, anyway.
0: Oh, yeah, you're the resident expert, so that's why I, you know I wanted to get your your opinion on that. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> what? Oh, we you know, of course, we have to talk about. Uh, obviously, the music is the main ingredient here, but of course, with you got a brilliant guy like Prince involved, it's not just. Some music with a blank piece of paper. Uh, there's this whole image behind this band and the mystique. And of course, the first thing you see before you hear anything is the cover. Don't,
3: don't go there, Mike. <laughs> don't go there, baby. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> is the cover photo. Of, I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Is it Mancina?
3: No, let me say Go her name. ahead, because I go ahead. <laughs> it's Miss Monika Leitner. There you with go. With her beautiful self. Yes uh
0: just like the visual of that was again that was a head buster as well uh probably arguably probably more popular than the music <laughs> was the cover <laughs> and and you saw the the covers of Madhouse album in the most peculiar of places i know the the one main place you you i remember it was in uh the Fresh Prince video was it in mm-hmm. you know he he had it on the wall i mean so it was pretty much Everybody had that somehow, and they they saw that it. image yeah. yeah that image yeah. was was insane, and you know just the whole the graphic design of it i mean just everything was was brilliant, and then of course uh Prince's name is not listed on this record anywhere no nope. uh, which is another you know thing, just as trying to disassociate disassociate it from you know what Prince was at the time and and all of that stuff, so it's very interesting. Uh, how it was received, and so really is it's, it''s supposed to be just received on the merits of the music um and I think that in them in those terms oh well, there wasn't a video for the first album right no right no, so I mean strictly off of that picture and the the music and you know, obviously it did i think it was the best did better than all of them in terms of you know chart performance um yeah. Just lasting in, in, impressions on the album, this particular album, uh, quickly, and we'll move forward, uh, Big Sexy, what, what is your take on this album? How do you, what do you see this album in the span of the Prince album universe?
1: Well, you know, like you guys mentioned earlier, at this time in 86, 87, he was just, it was like a Paisley Park onslaught. You know, he's doing this, he's working on Sign of the Times, he's got the beginnings of Jill Jones project happening. And there's just so much music out there, and it's good to you know that he wants to flex his muscles creatively, and at the time, now let me let me qualify this. I am not a jazz person, so Ken and uh, everybody, all the jazz people listening, please don't come shoot me. But this was right around the time that radio was starting to embrace pseudo jazz acts like Kenny G and things of that nature. So from a timing standpoint, it was good to stretch out and do a more, quote-unquote, traditional-based type of jazz to get out there. And Eric leeds you know, he, he's up there with, <clears throat> with Najee as far as sax players, in my opinion. So it was a good, good time to do that. <clears throat> and it was definitely welcome at that time because of, of, because of the time used – let me try that again. Because of the time it was exposed to the, to the country, right around 86, 87. All
3: right. All right. Uh, you know what, Mike? I I'm sorry. Oh no! I just thought just uh, and, and big thanks to you. Are correct? Your your jazz um, knowledge is is blooming <laughs> up along nicely, sir. I, I, I'll, I'll say this: I, I forgot to mention earlier when you were asking about the whole jazz thing. There is there is uh, a little thing in here that I find real interesting. Now you know, we all know that that Prince, you know, around this time behind the scenes, you know, he was interfacing with Miles Davis, you know, one of his idols, and you know they were talking and stuff. It's kind of interesting because with this madhouse project, and I'm not sure if, if, if there was subtitled on this album. it may have been sixteen, or it may have even been the uh, one you're talking no. about sixteen.
0: Yeah, I know what you're gonna say
3: yeah, yeah. Well, because well, well, he changed, you know, he he the the what do you call it the um, like the secondary line of it, if you will, if you will mm-hmm. was called New Directions in Music, which is really interesting because in in the late '60s, right around '69, when Miles Davis basically you know created fusion with his whole uh in a silent way album and and, uh bitches brew um you know that's what he described his his album as i mean if you look at the album cover it says bitches brew you know directions in music by miles davis and he was doing exactly that i mean they were just at at that time in in 69 he had a whole bunch of cats you know keith Jarrett, herbie hancock i mean all kind of heavyweight cats man and they were just hitting record, throwing his stuff down on wax. And it's kind of kind of funny, man. You know, it, Prince is doing that to a degree here. And he even uh, kind of pays homage to it a little bit with the whole New Directions and Music. So I, I always thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: Um, so, yeah, let's
0: move. We'll move forward to 16. And then we also add, to that uh, during the Signing the Times tour, uh, Prince actually put together an actual sign, Excuse me, a madhouse band who opened up for for that concert um and that was you know just even bringing it out further as they
3: were getting bigger and things uh so then we go ahead uh, before you go to 16 i just want just uh i gotta give a, a quick shout out to my little brother man because there's one track on this album that that we used to always love and it would crack us up and i don't, this was the uh track two okay oh, track two is a beast. I, <laughs> it, the reason why it would crack us up, man, is, is is my brother. My brother is six years younger than me, and so when we when I brought this cassette home and I would play it, and he, of course, you know, he learned his Prince game from me. He, you know, he would sit there and just absorb it all. He would always refer to this song basically as the Charlie Brown song because I, <laughs> I don't know if you if you, were, if you remember the part, right, you know, at one point toward the and it kind of you of the the, the teacher and the Charlie Brown cartoons, you I know. I never how thought he, about that. That's funny. Wah, 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 wah. And every time you he hear it, he would be, you know, can hey, play the Charlie Brown song, you know. And so I did have to jump the track too, you know. So it was just a little interesting it was brought back to memory when uh, I was replaying this for the podcast. So
0: that's hilarious. I never thought about that. That's true.
3: If you, if you, if you just go, when you listen to it, listen to that part. And I, I think that's him on. I'm thinking that's him on keyboards doing that. But that yeah. that. That patch sounds just like the teacher in Charlie Brown cartoons, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I, I love that. I'm so geeked on that song. Like, I actually would, like... Because you know when the track starts, there's people talking. And I mm-hmm. used to, like, turn it up so I could hear what they're saying. Like, I'm not even going into it, all that, but I, mean, I was too into it, (laughs) like trying to decipher every, I mean, it's saying stupid stuff in there, but I just thought it was hilarious.
3: Just the way the song starts out is like, you know, and it just, they just go right into it, man. It's a great, great album. Yeah. All right. So
0: let's get into, so actually within the same year, November, the second Madhouse album comes out. What date was this? This was November 18th. This is Madhouse sixteen, and like Big Ken said they have the the subtitle on there, new directions in garage music and visually on the cover you know it's the same same girl again, but now she's kind of like, like a gangster kind of style uh i think she's does she have a gun on this cover or I'm thinking of the twelve inches. yeah I think so
3: and that, yeah I the think gun so. and
0: the the two the two the two guns are always there, <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> And I remember, actually, I think, I believe that this was preceded with a 12-inch came first, I want to say. Matter of fact, I believe so. Because I remember at this time, uh, me and Tobias, who used to be on the show, it was like a one-upmanship one, un, one upmanship of who could get the 12-inches first. And I remember, I think he, I don't know, I can't remember who be who, but we'd go to Tower. And back then, there wasn't no internet or nothing, so we didn't know really no release dates. It was just like, you just had to go every weekend. And look and see what was which in there. One,
3: which one came out first? Was it ten or thirteen? Was it was a sing? Was a single? Ah, uh, you know I, I can think look. it was ten, right? I
0: think it was ten. It might have been ten. I think it
3: was ten. And I remember I think, that I single... It couple, go ahead. Yeah. No, I think it. I think it was ten, but I think they also released thirteen. Yeah, ten. 10 was first, and then thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I never got the twelve inch. Man, they didn't have it at my store um, around here.
0: Cause ten has maybe I'll play. it. I've played it other times before, but there's a track called Ten and a Half.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I heard that later. I heard that okay. later. I never, I never bought the twelve inch when it was out. I got you.
0: Yeah, but so we got the twelve inch first, and that's when we were like, we were just like, what? They got another one. And then the girl on, you know, it was a different picture on the cover. It was a close up. I think she had the puppy. And you know, I was woo. It was like, oh my god. You know, took that home, uh, jamming on that, and just kept waiting. When is this thing dropping? When it just You had to just keep going back. So finally comes out. I remember this very distinct, because I think this was like, yeah, Sign of Times was really banging at that time. And uh, we just, we couldn't, it was just overload. It's just <laughs> like, the album was different than the first one. It was more grander in, in a way. It was bigger. You know, the intro was definitely a a bigger deal you could tell like yeah we're gonna give you some more stuff and I was literally blown away by the second one it was actually it was a different album but I would say it was more funky in a different way more dancey you know kind of it was it could, it was more obviously funk driven to me um like that one Big Dollhouse House. Oh, that's crazy! I, like, I
3: think that's eleven, right?
0: That's eleven, I think. Yeah, let me pull. You know what? I was looking. I was looking at my book here. Uh, Dance, music, sex, romance, sex, romance. It looks like that song was actually recorded originally recorded during the first, back in those days. I mean, during the first mm-hmm. album, but it, but they called
3: it think, Big Dollhouse. and I think they redid it as a band. I think you're right, man.
0: Yeah.
2: This
3: album, sixteen, it, to me anyway, the sound—I think the sound is more akin to what you heard in the Family's album. You know what I'm saying, like the Yes and, and Mutiny and that kind of stuff. It, it has a bit. It's more, for lack of a better term, more grimy. This sound. It's just more in your face. Whereas the the first one, you yeah, you can when you compare the two, you know, you can tell it's more it's more of like Prince plus just Eric Leeds. Whereas this one, you know, Sheila. And, and the rest of them, Cat Levi and them, they putting it down. It's kind of got that whole, yeah, you, you type vibe to
0: it. Yeah, actually, let's see. Uh, three of the songs were recorded live with with the band that was uh, 10, 11, and 15. And that was with Levi, Sheila, uh, Eric, of course, and Prince. And then 16 has a solo by uh, Matt Fink. But then all the other ones, are, again, just Prince and. Uh, Eric Leeds, so I mean, just, you know, you can hear the, obviously, you know, he's been recording a ton of stuff between the two of them, uh, and you can definitely hear a progression and where he's just at production-wise. You obviously hear various nods to certain sounds that were used in um, some of the Sign of Time stuff, and even the concert. There's that one kind of synth patch that you can hear that, to me, when I hear it, I think of the Sign of Time show. I'm like, oh, okay. But anyway, so this second album comes out. They actually have videos for this album. Uh, I I was, my jaw dropped (laughs) when they had, uh, how do you say her first name again? Monika. When when they had Monika in the video, I was like, are you kidding? Like, that girl was ridiculous. She was the original, like like you see it all the time now in the videos, but she was like one of the first ones that came in there busting in and was just like the, I was like, oh God, die! <laughs> 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 like, forget these clowns dancing around. This, oh, I was like, oh my God, she's yeah, I got
3: news. Fla- I got news flash for you. She's still gorgeous today. Yes, yeah,
0: she is. She's on Facebook and things. Like but yeah, the videos are just. And uh, in, in oh, so let, I'll stop here. I'll let you guys go. Uh, Big Ken, what was your take on the second
3: album? I love the second album. I, I, they're both great, but like you said, the second album had more, or maybe it was Big Sexy that said it, it had more of an organic, more live, you know, more just in your face quality to it, you know. And again, to me, when I listen to it, especially the cut you mentioned, like 10, but 11 in particular, uh, and there's, a, there's another one, I can't remember the number, you know, it goes, there, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. That's
0: you know, 16.
3: Going, Yeah, they're just going off, man. and it just it, to me, it go. It, it, it almost feels like an extension of, of the instrumental stuff that we heard on the family album, just to a you know a greater scale, man. I mean, it, bottom line, it, it just just like you said earlier, man, it just showcases where this cat was at musically at that point in time. I mean, he was growing by leaps and bounds, you know, which is already hard enough to fathom you know, considering the the material he had put out up to that point anyway, you know, but he had already dropped a brilliant album early in the year with this mad, this Madhouse thing, and then he comes back a few months later with another one, and it's even better. It's just crazy, man. I, you know, it blew my mind then. Uh, yeah, and so 16 is, is just a great, great album to me.
0: All right, Big Sexy and
1: Sack. I find 16 to be, you know, actually more... Stylistically more what we know from Prince and at the same time. I find it to be more accessible to The public now. I don't know if this was because of the videos that were released But I know I didn't hear anything on 16 until I saw and I think it was on Playboy hot rocks of all places the video for uh for Tim I'm like what the hell is this and then I was on a mission to find it then I saw Recently, actually, last few years, I saw the video for 13. Yeah. And I see, you know, Monika again, just chilling in a little prison outfit. And, you know, I really didn't appreci- get, develop an appreciation for uh, the second album until I saw the little piece inside of the time where they're doing, I think the song is the, isn't, isn't that the Charlie Parker song they do? Yep. Now's the time. Charlie okay. Parker. And I saw that I'm like, okay, this is really its own entity. And when I go back and look at the six, the 13 video, you see them in the little hooded outfits. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, they're doing a little something here, and it's not unprecedented because he used to have the time play for Vanity Six. You know, back in the day before the time would do their own set, so a lot of these guys would be doing double duty. And I just thought it was a natural progression of what he had, had done in the past, or he would have. You know, two, two or three different bands, but all played by the same people, kind of like George Clinton used to do back with Parliament and Funkadella. Yep, yep. You know, and you
3: know what, Mike, the, the thing, uh, to, to piggyback on that, just like we were talking about earlier when you, were a- when you were asking me about, you know, the whole connection to jazz. You know, there, there would be a lot of, quote-unquote, jazz purists that would listen to this this type of stuff in 8 and 16, and they would, they would poo-poo it and say, no, it's not real jazz. But what what the ironic thing is is that, and Big Sexy just hit on it, all of these musicians, man, they can play jazz. jazz. I mean, we know Eric Leeds, you know, was a jazz player, but Prince could, you know, we know he could, he's capable of doing the jazz. Levi can do the jazz. Sheila E. can do do it. You know, they can do it the way the purists would would uh, would respond to it. I mean, just their interpretation of, of Charlie Parker's. Uh, Now, this is the time during the sign of the time show is just just a small example of it, man. So, you know, this might not be jazz in the purest sense of the word, but it's probably more along the fusion line. And what they're doing is fusion elements of jazz with with the funk. But these guys are so supremely talented, man, that they could pull that off, you know, if they really wanted to.
0: Yes. And again, I just want to give a little taste of the funk for what he's talking about and this is a lab band
3: yeah
0: they tried to take advantage of her
1: baby doll house has- <laughs>
0: Just a little bit. Man, you had this great yeah. idea. You know what I'm going to do? I got this, uh, I got like all these Little Wayne verses, acapella. And uh, I'm going to um, take the Madhouse tracks and put the Little Wayne verses over them. <laughs> Just joking.
3: Man, don't make <laughs> me call the Prince Police. <laughs> Man, don't do that dude. Me and Big Terrible. Sexy can take over this show. <laughs> <laughs> Big Sexy dropped papers, man, because Mike had lost
0: his mind. <laughs> It'll be hot, man, for the
1: streets.
3: Anyway.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? It, what it reminds me when I hear that and some of the other songs, the one thing that I say about this album, though, in terms of the other one, this one, to me, it sounds like they, It sounds like to me they took some Prince songs and took the vocals off. I, it, it sounds, I think Ken, a big kick sexy said earlier, it sounds more in line of what you would think Prince would sound like doing something. And that's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's a great song. But that's kind of what I used to think. I used to think, man, I wonder if these were songs. Like these could have just been songs. Cause it, it just seemed, you know what I mean? Because they seem like following more of a structure as opposed to that first album. It just seemed like it was, you know... I couldn't hear like uh, uh, verse, chorus type structure to the songs, but these songs, some of them kind of sound like they have that structure of kind of versey, chorus. They just don't have any, there's there's no words there. I don't know what you guys think about that.
1: I agree completely.
3: Yeah, I can see what you're saying about that. I mean, some of them do, especially a song like Eleven that you just played, Mm -hmm. As it, but but if you listen to if you listen to the the first album, I mean some of those songs too. They they do have. Yeah, you know,
0: I can see like yeah, ten, they, oh, they six have six kind of. Yeah, principle.
3: they have the cor- Yeah, six six is a good example. You know, um, two three. You know, they have the cor- chorus. You know, um, verse structure, so to speak. But you know, there's not as much instrumentation, if you will, on that one as it is on this one. you know, and this one, like you said, is filled out with the with the sound effects and the, you know, the snippets of the Godfather movies in there and all the stuff added into it. So it's fleshed out more. So, yeah, it, it, it would be more along the lines of what we know Prince to be, especially after, you, after you've heard some of the, you know, the other stuff that he had come out with up to that point. But, yeah, I mean, I can see both sides, though. So.
0: And uh, just to, to give some of the chart performance on this album, this album actually did not do well at all. Um, The 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 two singles. The first single, ten, came out. It went as high as number sixty six on the black chart. It didn't even. It did not chart on the pop charts. And then the third, excuse me, the second single, thirteen, didn't chart at all. And what I'm saying here, it says that the album itself didn't chart at all, which is kind of odd. But so you know, even though this one had had the video for it. Which the other one didn't. Uh again, I'm like with Big Sexy. I never saw the second video on TV. I saw it on the net years later. So I'm curious about oh, that. Can have w-
3: for that listed. You can have, I never saw either of those videos when they were playing. I saw them later. Oh, okay. Yeah, I later. wonder if the, the second
0: one was even released as a video. I think it was probably just something they held on to. Um, so uh, you know, it was a great album. Even in the it's interesting that just within that course of that period of time, uh, the chart performance is dramatically different. Uh, and in some ways, well, Prince was already, it uh, came out with sign of times. Um, and that did okay. Chart wise, <laughs> I guess as well. So interesting. I want to kind of move forward, but is there any last uh, things on this Madhouse 16 that you guys want to get into Uh big sexy? Uh,
1: No, no. I kind of, I'm curious what happened to a few musicians on there because I believe the drummer's name was John something, and he you know made his appearance on Madhouse and we never saw this guy again. Ah, uh, you sure about that? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I
0: think actually, in the drum on the actual album itself was Prince and oh, Sheila. Prince. I know there was another drummer that was supposed to be with the band. I was reading. Um, I want to say HB or something like that But then they ended up going with this guy named, I think his name was Dale Alexander He was like an old uh, Guy associated with Prince from back in the day um, As far as I know the, the only people who drummed on the actual album was, Like I said was Prince and Sheila On this album um, But we'll look it up uh,
3: Big Ken Hey 16 is great to me man uh, You know as is 8 They're both masterpieces as far as i'm concerned um and even though you know especially 16 didn't do all that well charts wise it, it doesn't really matter because people were listening you know i know some hip hoppers listened to it i know right um digital underground digital underground sample mm-hmm. i'm trying to remember which track it was they sampled for hip-hop doll yeah on that sex, yeah. Sex pack I, album. I think
0: it was it was i think it was the first song it was ten, wasn't it? That yeah, it was that part in ten. Yeah, boom, 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 boom,
3: boom, yeah, exactly. That one was in there, and then and then uh, Questlove. I mean, he 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 re, he reproduced the beat of one of those uh, uh, other songs. I think it was on the eighth album, uh, and it was on. I want to say the Roots' yeah. second album, or might have it might have been their first album. You know, Is it the one that. Yeah, 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 right. It starts with the drum roll. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he reproduced that. I mean, there's a lot of cats that have, have have listened to this stuff, man. So, yeah, the charts, you know, as always, as we all know, charts don't accurately reflect, you know, how how widespread the influence of the music actually is, man. But these are masterpiece albums, man. In my opinion, you know, if you don't have them, you got to find them. Yeah. If you're a friend, man, you need to have them.
0: I co-signed that to the full list. And of, of the two released ones for me... My favorite actually is 8. Uh, I, I just think that I could listen to that from beginning to end. And just the sound of it, uh, just all the playing. Uh, to me, that is more. it's just more funkier and just more, uh, I don't know, it's, just, it's had a certain feel to it that always gets me. I love the slower numbers as well um, on both albums. I think they're incredible. Uh, but yeah, both of them are, are classics in I just I, my my whole point of doing this particular show. I just want people to to pay attention pay, pay attention to them and really listen to them because I know some people that are Prince fans haven't even really listened to these albums, uh, like even Ernie, which I, he's unfortunately he's not here today. Uh, he hadn't really listened to them that much, and so I was like, yeah, I want to make sure you hear this stuff because I think it just to me like a better appreciation of like wow, this guy was so accomplished even back then. And we're going to talk a little bit about the sound of this type of Prince jazz, that's what I call it versus where he's doing today or has done, you know, a few years ago. Um, so as we come off of these albums and there was only two released Madhouse albums, but there are actually, there is actually a Madhouse 24 album. And there's actually two of them that have been recorded. Uh, neither one have been officially released. But they are, of course, they are out there. Um, we want to talk a little bit about them because they're actually very different. Um, and some of the tracks have surfaced on other albums. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. So the first Madhouse 24, uh, 1988. And on one hand, I'm glad this didn't come out. Because, <laughs> because when I first heard this, I love the first track. I was, ah. But it's a, such a different sound, and it just always remind. When I hear it now, it's okay. This is like on some Batman era stuff, heavily drum program, and actually, you could. Uh, t- it actually ties in with Love, Sexy in terms of, to me, the sound of it as well. But I, some of the songs on here, I actually don't like, <laughs> and I was kind of like, ah, this i'm not i'm not feeling the direction on some of the tracks um but you know there's one track on here that is a head shot to the you know it's 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 a kill shot (laughs) to me uh the the last song 24 the dopamine rush we can get into that and that is this 18 minute you know thing uh, so I'm going uh, go to Big Sexy first. W- what's your thoughts on uh, Madhouse 24, the, the first version?
1: You know, it's, like, it's, it's just like you said, you know, everything to me was like, you know, mm, 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 mm. it sounded unfinished to me until I heard, you know, the dopamine rush and I didn't hear about the dopamine rush or 24 until, oh, I would say within three to five years and I tracked it down. And I kept hearing, oh, dopamine rush, dopamine rush. I'm like, what is going on? And then I heard the Eric Leeds Times Squared version, The I think it's like eight or nine minutes. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's pretty good, blah, blah, blah. And then I actually tracked down the 24 and the long 18-minute version. I'm like, okay, this is some mm-hmm. shit here. He lost his mind. I'm like, yeah, this is what's happening. And that's one of the good and bad things about Jazz-based music is—it's good because it lets you really stretch out and just play for as long as you want to play. But it's also bad because, in the commercial sense, no way is anybody be playing songs that long. And that kind of sucks. And I miss the old days—the old LP days when you'd have an album and it'll have like one song on it. It'll be like twenty-something minutes, you know. And you don't—you don't really get that anymore. That's kind of unfortunate. But but the dopamine rush really is the crown piece on that album. All right, Big
3: Ken. Yeah, I gotta agree with you, cats, man. Um, <clears throat> Seventeen on that the first version of twenty four is pretty tight. You know the other stuff on there, it's okay, but it's not it's not of the caliber of eight and sixteen. And, and my my guess is, you know, most of the crew would probably changed. You know, the style of music. That was out had changed you know he was like you said in start he probably had already gotten into the whole sampling and drum programming type stuff you know uh and, and the same thing really could be said too about the other version and i was that the the one in 1993 the 1993 version of it yeah you know the one that's got more and more of the you know the tony m crew on oh. there with him you know you know ass whoop and all those other you know stuff like that Hey now. It's okay. It's okay. You know, it's all right. You know, but like you said, the dopamine rush, the, the 18 minute opus, that's, 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 that's what you want right there, man. That's a, you know, that's a masterpiece in every sense of the word, man. Uh, it's, and even Eric Leeds' version on his album is good as well, man. But that 18 minute version, is, if you haven't heard it, <laughs> you got to find it. It's, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the one thing when I hear this album, it's a more of a harder sound, Uh, 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 dare to say, throw in the word like industrial or something or, you know, because like you said, obviously Prince been drum program programming forever, but it just has a more type of sound to it. It's hard for me to explain. There's a couple of tracks that go, you know, definitely a departure. From anything Madhouse has done before, and they have elements of, I guess you could say, dance or you know, mm-hmm. type of music in there. And it's not that they're bad; it's just that for me
3: personally, I, I don't, I don't listen to that type of stuff. No, you're right. They're not bad. It's yeah. just this, album, this version, and especially the 1993 version, it's got further away from the improvisational aspect that the first two albums, in particular, the first album had. You know, there's not a lot of that, and that that in the pocket. You know, Prince sound. You know that we talked about in the first album. This this omnipresent in that album is is really nowhere to be found on the on these two, except for, you know, the dopamine rush suite. And, yeah, and that, you know that's about it. And, and
0: and yeah, and I you know I actually like I said the, the first track on here I think it was the seventeen and these songs actually have titles to them as well. You know, mm-hmm. very R. Kelly-ish <laughs> titles. You know. I think the first one's called penetration, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, ones are you legal? Oh, so, I mean, yeah. yeah, a girl and her puppy jail bait. I was
3: say, eh, eh. you know, but anyway, uh, you, you know what, Mike? Go one ahead. other, one other point too. This, this is more to to what you were just talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, not about Ernie in particular, but about you know. A lot of people didn't get into this. You know what I think? Part of the problem is, man, is it's the stigma of, of when something is labeled jazz. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that, to me, that's a drawback because there, there's a large majority of people out there that don't that really don't realize, man, that jazz is such a deep term. You know, most people nowadays, when when you say jazz, they they tend to think, oh, you know, something that's laid back and chill out, and and, and that's that's only one facet of jazz so a lot of people can't get into that a lot of people can't get into instrumental music period anything you know over three and a half minutes long you know they can't really get in a lot of people can't get into it so I could see where if the word got out that this was a quote-unquote princess jazz albums you know a lot of people might have been turned off right before you know never even gave it a chance not saying Ernie but I'm saying just in general man there's a lot of people that you know a lot of people just don't realize jazz has so many facets to it, just like R and B. You know, you got your mm-hmm. your smooth R and B, you got your neo soul, you got you got your, your funk, you got your clap I mean, there's so many levels and facets, just you know, just like any other brand of music. But most people tend to just lump jazz into one category, and I think this album, the both of these, the first two albums, probably got pigeonholed in that category a little bit with the general public.
0: You know, and I agree. I was going to add. I would say that this album kind of you, you were saying something i thought of bbd <laughs> well bbd always said their music was was, was smoothed out on smoothed the R&B. out hip hop <laughs> so i was like this is <laughs> princess was jazz funked out on a r&b tip with a pop appeal <laughs> to. exactly exactly
3: man a lot of people use that term jazz very liberally yeah. You know, so to, and that means a lot. It means different things to different people, man. So, you know, as opposed to funk, you know, when we when you know most people can can identify with that, but a lot of people can't identify with jazz or instrumentals in general. So, all right. Um, so,
0: and actually, I, I'd be remiss to not say that um, Eric Leeds' first solo album was released before this twenty four thing surfaced, and so you know, uh, Big uh, Sexy was saying, you know, the dopamine rush. Yeah, that song was already out. And we'll get a little bit into that Eric Lee's album. And let me be clear, that Eric Lee's album is brilliant. It's, they could have slapped Madhouse on that and Happy Camper. And you know, and the fact is, probably three or four of those songs were just leftover tracks from Madhouse 16, actually, that he just kind of added some stuff to. We'll get into that. So here's what I want to do. I want to do a first. And I'm just doing this for comparison's sake and as, you know, information. Uh, the original dopamine Rush is just an edited version, basically, of this longer song that we've been talking about. And the longer one goes into different... Uh, it's like it all has the same beat, you know, kind of underlying theme to it, but they, you know, it, it goes into different directions. And one of the directions... Yeah. One of the directions it goes into is kind of like this Spanish, you know, funky type of thing, which to me is just I don't understand why Eric didn't want to just grab that part and put it on the album, because that is just like insanity. So for comparison's sake, we're going to play just a little bit of that because you got to be able to hear it. Um, And We're not playing the whole song and all that kind of stuff but just to give you a a sample of what that is. So here we go here. all right, and that is, that's is—that's just the tip of the iceberg where they start yeah. to go with that track. Uh, Eric Lees is really doing his thing on there. Prince is doing his thing. So there it is. Uh, Madhouse 24, the original one. It it, it does have, you know, that song alone could have been the album. Like like I said, it's 18 minutes. Some albums ain't even that long. Uh, so it, it could have, you know, it, w- it would have been worth it. Uh, for whatever reason, doesn't come out. I mean, Prince has a lot of albums that don't come out. Uh, so there it is now we did mention that there was another 24 that was cut in 1993 and this one was a a band performance this was Prince Levi uh, Sonny T and Michael B and of course Eric Leeds and for me personally I really love this album as well (laughs) like I used to really wear it out it is different than the other ones obviously it's recorded a whole different time and Prince Musically, is in a whole different space, and he's got totally different musicians playing with him. But I actually really like that album. Um, I, w- I remember the one funny thing about that album there's a version of the song Space that was on the Gold Experience album. Oh, no, it was on the uh, Come mm. album, excuse me. Oh. And there's a version of that on there. You know, it's different, but it's, it's on there. I just thought that was odd. But I actually like you know, Ass Whoop and and all that stuff to me there's some funky stuff on there. It's there's a lot more guitar. Which I, was there any guitar really on any of the Madhouse records? I don't think there was. Was there?
3: Not really. Yeah. Not not featured guitar, no.
0: Yeah. So you definitely they definitely yeah. got some got some rhythm guitar stuff going on. But I'm curious. Uh, I, I I can tell that Big Ken has heard it. Big Sexy, have you heard the other Madhouse?
1: No, no, okay. I,
3: haven't, I haven't heard the other one. All right, big. Q. I mean, it's okay. I I liked it. It's all right. I didn't like it as much as you know, you know, the dopamine rush or the other ones. But yeah, it's some good stuff on there. Uh, some of the titles throw me off. You know, the whole you know when I saw ass whoop, I'm like, what the hell? You know, it threw me off a little bit. But it's some good material on there. Like you said, it's from a different time period, different crew. So the whole direction that they were going in is different. And so what disappointed me is, you know, that's, you know, that was termed Madhouse. But, you know, in my mind, I have an image of Madhouse based on, you know, what was in those first two albums. But the material is not bad. One good thing that did come out of, though, I think these sessions, though, was uh, that uh, that track that they did they did for Miles Davis, Letter for Miles,
1: mm-hmm.
3: they, that, that they uh, did around, that that crew did, I, they, I believe, during these sessions. So it, that was pretty nice. But, yeah, I mean, it's good. It's, it's good stuff. It's definitely worth listening. Especially if you like that crew, if you like, you know, Sunny T and uh my man Michael Bland and the crew. Yeah, yeah.
0: Actually and a couple of those songs have uh surfaced officially. Um I know that uh I think it was Ass Whoop was on one of Prince's websites at a time. And uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think some of them were were on certain samplers and different things, cassette samplers and yeah things of that nature. So that you know, that, that one is out there as well. And uh, I actually and actually, you know what, there is a cover for that, that you can if you look on, you can look it up on Google. Just type in Madhouse. You'll see that they actually had a they they brought in old girl and shot a a cover for that album. Uh, But for whatever reason, that was not released as well. Um, And that is pretty much the last of of any Madhouse, you know, official Madhouse situations that I am aware of. Um, you know, there is, uh, there is this one, I guess you could call it a bootleg. It's a rehearsal. I don't even have it anymore, but I remember it was, I assume it's from Paisley Park. I don't know where it's from. But they play the Madhouse song. It's, some, it's a band playing, I guess, you can obviously hear Eric Lees playing. Nobody can play Eric stuff like Eric. But it's a very interesting uh, rehearsal of the Madhouse material that is floating out there. I'm not sure what year it is from. Um, any lasting uh, things about Madhouse? You guys, Madhouse? You guys want to get out there before we wrap up?
1: Well, this Madhouse was. was oh, crazy. go ahead, go ahead, Big Sexy, go ahead. Oh, this this aspect was driving me crazy. I know I've heard it, but I just can't remember where I've heard it.
0: It it may in fact have been one it. of those MPG, uh, you know, audio shows things. Remember?
1: That's what it uh, was.
0: Yeah, it they was.
3: did. They did play some of that stuff on those audio shows. Yeah 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 uh did you going to say something ken no i was i was just i was telling big sexy he was said it was driving him crazy it was the title ass whoop <laughs> that's what it was, it was driving him crazy but no on a serious tip man madhouse is w- one of his best um side projects pet projects whatever you want to call it uh, i have fond memories uh, of you know getting those cassettes back in the day i still wear you know whether the uh albums out to this day It's just masterpiece material, man. Like I said earlier, it just, to me, it's just a a textbook case of of just how talented Prince really was, man. His range, you know, and and it just, to me, just gave you a glimpse of how far he could go. And I actually now look at these albums as a precursor to a lot of the stuff that we're hearing now. You know what I mean? The the Lotus Flower type stuff, you know, the C note, and, and a lot of the jazz inflected stuff that we hear. And we heard the Rainbow Children stuff. A lot of that, I think some of that foundation was laid, you know, with the improvisational aspect and the whole, the jazz sensibilities, quote unquote, that that was, was gained uh, from this. So, you know, it's all related, man. But it's great stuff, man. It's must own. And let must me, own.
0: Okay. Let me ask this last question. I'm glad you brought up C-Note and uh, there's, there's also an Exception and News. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh in terms of those later albums that were very, uh, I guess you, you maybe you call those real jazz. Some of those could be considered jazz projects. Um, mm-hmm. Very thematic. Uh, in some terms, maybe more complex in certain arenas. Um, very experimental. I think was it news where all the songs were like a certain. I mean, like yeah, really long. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think they were all like 12 minutes or yeah. 15 minutes. Okay. Oh, no, I think they were all 15 minutes. They were, because The, the album was, a, was an hour exactly. Okay. <clears throat>
0: yeah. Uh, and so in terms of those albums, how do, you, how do you see those albums in comparison to the Madhouse stuff?
3: You know, honestly, it's, I'm glad you mentioned News, because to me, of the later stuff, news, that News album, man, is probably the closest thing to you know, the original Madhouse. I mean it's not as it's not as functified as that for you know to for lack of a better term. But in terms of the thematic aspect of it, just the improvisational aspect of it. And if you listen to a couple of those tracks, I wanna say is it it might be either north or it might be east. I think whatever I think it's east. I think it's the second track. They get real funky on there toward the middle of that track, man. And he's doing some crazy stuff on that bass that's very reminiscent of some of the stuff that you hear on the earlier albums. It's, again, it's not, you know, it's not going to, you know, take you back to 80, 80, you know, five eighty six when this, you know, the stuff was first coming out, but, uh, the news album in particular, and, and a lot of fans, again, you know, it got, it got pans. Obviously it didn't sell well. And, you know, it, you know, it's, it's not a favorite amongst most fans, at least from what I gather from the, you know, the org and other forums and whatnot that I've seen. but, you know, I think the roots of it are, you know, come from the, the Madhouse albums, you know, and by extension to a, you know, a certain degree, you know, like you said, uh, Expectation is like that. Yeah, that one to me is my favorite. Like. Yeah, C-Note, I, although C-Note, I think was, a, it was, a, was just recorded live. That was actually a concert performance, I believe. But still, it's along the same lines, you know, uh, the stuff that we would hear in, in Rainbow Children, you know, that whole jazzy stuff, you know, She Spoke to Me. You know, all that stuff, man, to me is, is a direct uh, descendant, they're direct descendants, if you will, of some of the experimentation, I think, that came from these mad early Madhouse records. And also, a lot of it, I think, has to do with, you know, your boy Eric Leeds, man. You know, it's obvious Eric Leeds played a, a great part in, in Prince music, and I think Prince uh, respected him greatly and probably learned a lot from him in terms of jazz, in terms of jazz structures and so forth. Uh, from Eric, man, so his uh importance cannot be understated is what I'm getting
0: at. Yeah, and just wanted to go back to the albums real quick. Um actually I was I was looking at uh news. Well news actually got a Grammy nod. I don't think it won the Grammy, but it definitely got nominated for a mm. Grammy, which I thought was interesting. But uh I, I of the of those three records, I think the one for me that I most just couldn't get enough of was that expectation. Uh if they could have put the name Madhouse on that, and I wouldn't have batted an eye. And that doesn't doesn't say it sounds like that, but to me, that was, I, to me, that album was was a classic. Like it just overlooked, overrated. Uh, the, the the different sounds and the instruments they had on there, and the funk that's on that album, it's just that album is ridiculous to me. Uh, that that should have actually been bundled with Rainbow Children. Like it just. They just
3: go hand in hand, and you fig- and, and you figure too the the musicians that he was recording with for that album for Expectation and uh, the Rainbow Children and stuff. I mean, you had Najee, you know, trained in jazz. I mean, granted, he's more contemporary jazz, but still, he's you know a jazz musician. Your, your girl Rhonda played in a lot of that stuff. You know, Renato. He played with a lot of accomplished, you know, musicians that were well versed in jazz. So the,
0: uh, the you know, violinist that was on there is
3: incredible. Yeah. like
0: that. That just brought a whole different sound to it. I was like, oh man, they're going in. And actually, I can't tell you what song it is right now. But one of the maybe it's not a song that's on this album. But one of the songs is just a remake of the song off of. Eric Lee's album, Uh, the one Mm. he used to play all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
3: I know you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know the name of it right off the top of my head.
0: And I was like, man, they actually reaching back to the to that material. So
3: um, there's a lot of similarities. Like I said, if you listen to news, you listen to expectation. There's a lot of similarities to some of the Madhouse stuff. It's just Mm -hmm. not in the same context that we remember from you know the early from the '80s stuff. But it's it's a lot of similarities. And like I said, a lot of people, you know, they're going to just poo-poo it initially because it's, it's a, it's a quote-unquote jazz record. You know, a lot, of people can't, a lot of people can't get with instrumentals, man. No matter how funky they are, you know, if a song is past a certain length, a lot of people can't dig it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I see now I start to see a lot of people and particularly a lot of, I don't know, maybe it's, I would say women, for instance, that are really are into like instrumental hip-hop stuff. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Like a lot of people, you know, obviously a lot of people love uh, Jay Dilla, but I hear a lot of people, He'd be just playing beats. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. And if you like that, you probably might like some other stuff, you know. But um, I wanted to give Big Sexy's take on the, the expectation C-Note news in comparison to Madhouse.
1: You know, I was just listening to C-Note the other day because getting ready to, to listen to this, I was listening to uh, Empty Room. And I'm like, hey, let me pull up C And I just finally assembled a complete uh, album of that. And to me, <clears throat> I guess it's the differences in the players involved. Uh, because you mentioned that Renato and, and I think Candy Dolfer, who I love, is on um, the c album. And they bring a different, and I hate to use this word, but they bring a different flavor to it than than Eric did and that whole time period. So it's in the same vein but it's it's not quite the same but it's definitely it's a good place that allowed him to again get these jazz fusion things out. And since he's such a prolific writer and player, you know, it was good that on his website he he allowed people to hear these things and you know, I got them all, but you know, it, it was good for him to do that because it, it lets lets him know that I'm that he's not just okay, I'm not just purple Rain. I'm not just i right. I can do this too. You know, and I think that's great. And I can do it in a sense and keep it restricted and disciplined enough to make each song, like on the news album, you know, fourteen or fifteen minutes long. I can do this. You know, I am I am a musician first. All that other shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's after the fact. First and foremost, I'm a musician. And you have to respect that. And and I like that. You
0: take the chances. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and even just like, you know, going back to the Madhouse real quick, you know, that came out during, arguably, you know, he was in like, he was very popular. He was in, you know, in the prime. And he was the man, obviously, to everybody. He was You know, it was him, Michael Jackson, and Madonna. Uh, You could throw a Bruce Springsteen. I mean, but to actually have a super pop artist Put out an album like that is is actually like it would be unheard of. Like if somebody tried to do that now, they would probably have to take their name off of it <laughs> to be taken serious, unless they was a serious musician. But a pop, think of any pop artist today who could like okay, I want to come with some like funky jazz or or it doesn't even have to be that. Maybe they just want to do country or something or something so different than what they're doing and to be taken serious. Okay.
3: They can't do that nowadays, man. Well, they I mean,
0: do yeah. that. Who, I'm just saying, who would even have the, who would you even the take serious?
1: Person,
3: the, the last person that I know that even attempted to try something like that, that got destroyed, and of course, I'm not a fan, I'm not a country music cat, you guys might remember. Remember that Garth Brooks? Yep. Oh, right, right. That's yeah. experiment. That what whole, kind of music was that? I actually, I don't even know. It remember. was like, well, it was more like alternative kind of like pop type stuff, but I mean, uh-huh. not like you know, bubblegum pop, but it, it was like a thematic album, you know, Garth Brooks is, what, what was it, Chris, Chris, something, I forgot what the title was, yeah, but you I know, know he, he, <laughs> just looked, he changed his look and All he right. got, I mean, man, he got stoned. And I wonder, you know, though,
0: was the music bad or is it that they didn't want to accept him doing that? You okay. know what I'm saying? Like, I think it was
3: more it was more. They did not want to accept. He, he was his 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 core fan base literally pitched a fit mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: To, to them, to them. You know, that's like he's selling out. You know, he you know, he wants to be more on the pop charts or something. Right. So they you know, it, it, it takes it. You 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 find great artists and I'm not saying he's great, but I'm saying in general. You find a lot of great artists throughout history, man, they tend to do stuff like this from time to time where they go and they go and they bend genres. They do something completely different and it's not accepted today as what as much as it was back in the day. And even back in the day, you would catch a lot of flack for it. You know, you just got to be strong enough to be able to handle it.
0: You well, know? that's why I
3: wonder, like, would you I have to... He got crucified for doing exactly that. He wanted to put, he wanted to take his music more to the streets, more, more to the funk side in the '70s, and he got crushed by the jazz purists in the media. But he didn't give a shit. You know, he was Miles Davis; he could do it. So he was right. able to stand that. But not the average artist can can pull that off today. You know.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. I wonder what you have to do, like Prince did, and take your name off of it. Don't don't put your face on it, and try not to have your name associated whatsoever you know um, and
3: let it try to stand on its own because of yeah. that, you know. that, could be one, that could be one way to do it you know you, that could be one way to do it but you know prince is prince is one of those guys man you know he could have he could have just put it out himself with his name on it it probably would have gone the same reaction because by the time he put that stuff out you know he wasn't as you know an, at, the, at the top of the pyramid so to speak as he used to be but he still would have got some raised eyebrows from folks Oh yeah, I can imagine. I'm sure a lot of people would have been pissed. <laughs> like, a lot the song's of songs. <laughs> yeah, they'd have been like, "What the hell is this?" A lot of hardcore fans would have would have jumped off, and right, you know, a lot of you know bandwagoners would have jumped off. But you know, you just but big sexy's right. You don't see that kind of experimentation a lot nowadays. You know, and and you don't. It even goes just to the song level. You don't. You don't have a lot of artists willing to put out nice lengthy songs like they used to do in the. 70s they don't do that anymore not too many people anyway right now it's much more formulaic you know it has to follow the the formula you know a song gotta have this you gotta have a collab on your album at least one or two you know you gotta have a song by xyz producer Yep. you gotta have this video with this many dancing chicks in it and this many fish lens effects and all that stuff so it's very formulaic nowadays
0: all right so we're gonna wrap up this madhouse discussion Again, we recommend that you go find these albums, uh, especially the first two, officially released. You definitely got to go track those down. Uh, I I think they're must-listens and and help you appreciate uh, Prince. And and then listen to them also in terms of uh, conceptually what time they came out. You know, like, oh, wow, this was 87? Like, okay, whoa. I would argue to some point that, you could listen to that album, and you go listen to some of his, his later you know, jazz stuff, and you'd be like, wow, he was actually, this dude is, is, is incredible. And then if you really wanted to be the super fan, you could go back and find the jazz recordings he did back from, like, I think, before the second album came out that we ain't supposed to talk about. <laughs> and you'd be like, whoa, okay. So... Obviously, the guy is incredible. Madhouse, and and I didn't I didn't give him enough props. I'm on his jock all the time, though. Eric Lee's it's just incredible, man. I I, I found this video. Lastly, I found this video was it, Eric Lee's, and he was in that band uh, Rad. Uh, it was from a couple years ago. It's from performance, but they do. Uh, I think they do six, and I wonder they do mutiny and something else. But it is probably one of the best performances I've heard of those songs. Like, aside from, you know, the Revolution playing them, they're killing it. And Eric is killing. It. I was like, ah, I don't understand why he's not in Prince's band. And he's never He should have been one of the longest running cats in the group to me. It just doesn't have that. If you're going to have to do those songs with that sound, you, you, you just got to have him. As much as I love Maceo, it just, yeah. But uh, anyway, check out Madhouse. Uh, we're going to get out of here. But before we do, I'm going to turn it over to Big Sexy. If you got any last words or any shout-outs or anything you want to give out there?
1: You know, actually, I'm going to make a little comment. Um, first of all, and I know we we generally don't do this on air, but and Mike and I talked about this yesterday. I have to give it up to our leader, Mike, because he's working on his his uh, his Kindle book. And now... You know, I've started to start tinkering because once Mike and Ken also, you guys always come up with something new creatively. I'm like, okay, I got to raise the bar. And then it's like, well, why can't I do this? And the, re- and the thing is, you both say this all the time. There is no reason you can't do this. Go do what you do. And I've been tinkering with my own, little, uh, my own little literary project. I'm going to start uh, putting more time in. But at the same time, I do have a question for uh for Mike. I did not know Michael Anthony <laughs> from Van Halen was our fearless leader. Hilarious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the official name. Just, you know, there's actually there's too many Michael Deans out there. When I look on Google and stuff or different places, I'm like, damn, this some other Michael Deans is holding it down. <laughs> so I don't want to compete with that. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of the book thing, we're not going to go all into it, but we're definitely doing, uh, it's it's a Prince related book. It's going to be an ebook. It will actually be available as a paperback as well. But yeah, we we definitely, um, we, we, you know, just taking it to another level, man. That's my whole thing. Uh, so we got that coming. We got some other books coming. Uh, Of course, the album is out. Music is out. Ken, he got six, seven albums out. I'm trying to catch up. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So yeah, we hey, we all creative in here doing our thing. Um I appreciate that the look though. I'm, I'm glad I can motivate and I get motivated back. So let's keep it
3: going. Uh Big Ken. Yeah, I'm just happy to be down, man. You know, officially part of Freedom Train Network now, man. So I'm all good.
0: Yeah, and oh yeah. Let me speak a little bit about Please go listen to the Freedom Foundation. I mean, you've already probably been listening to it anyway, but the last episode, you kind of changed it up a little bit.
3: You, know, you spotlighted yeah, James Brown. Special, yeah, a little special edition show with a couple of my close friends from uh, my college days, man. So, yeah, I'm going to pepper, pepper a few uh, special edition shows here and there, you know, where we do focus on uh, a particular artist or, or a particular genre of music or something. So, it was fitting that the first one had to be on, on JB because I've been wanting to play a lot of JB cuts on the show, man, and I have to <clears throat> I have to hold myself back from doing that. It'd be very easy to do that. Um, yeah, so yeah, it was pretty. It was it was fun to do it. You know, it's, it's as you know, Mike. It's always hard to try to get get everybody together at the same time to record and stuff. So that's why it took a while. But uh, yeah, we're gonna be doing a few more shows like that.
0: All right, cool, cool. And excuse me, lastly. I wanna say a special shout out to Mr. Day Dropping. Uh, he couldn't make it today, so we wanna always shout him out. And of course, we also wanna shout out, uh, we, were g- we were going to be joined by uh, P double, Pierre, but uh, he couldn't make it at the last minute. Um, so we wanna also shout him out. Uh, we wanna shout out everybody on Freedom Train, of course, and everybody on Facebook, um, everybody on Twitter. We've been stepping up our Twitter thing a little bit. We appreciate that. Uh, anything I should be saying before we leave? I think we're done. All right. So we're out of here. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the day, your life, whatever. We out. Peace.